It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin, Deputy Managing Editor at LookoutLanding.com. I am joined on this, the fifth, sixth day since the lockout has ended, if I'm not mistaken, uh, by Kate Prusser, managing editor of Lookout Landing. And very busy. So busy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, audio uh, engineer and podcast extraordinaire, Evan James. Less busy, but still stoked to be here. How are we doing? Uh, we're we're gonna get into how we're doing. I because <laughs> I think it's a mixture of emotions. Because uh, why why feel one thing when you could feel a lot of things? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maximalism. Exactly, exactly. Maximalist mariners. Uh, that is kind of the way that it feels right now. So. Uh, we're recording this. What's that? We'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Are they doing the absolute most? I think we would all argue they are not. No, they're doing the absolute mediumist. Yeah, they're doing um, the absolute mediumist. But yeah. we'll the talk kids about call it. that mid, right? That's what they're yeah. talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's, it's very mid. Yeah. Um, so the Seattle Mariners went ahead and made a move at last. Um after Jerry DePoto woke up ready to transact, he went to bed 
ready to transact, woke up ready to transact, went to bed ready to transact, and then finally woke up ready to transact again. He should really have called his doctor if he had was experiencing <laughs> yeah. ready to transact for more than 48 hours. It's true. It was, a, it was a bit of an emergency, but the solution was to make a trade with one of the sort of two most disgraceful... I'm sorry, I, that's coming in a little bit hot, but one of the oh, two... Oh, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. I think it's tough, but fair. Yeah. Um, one of the tougher uh, franchises in the league at the moment in terms of leadership, that being uh, the Cincinnati Reds trading uh, outfielder Jake Fraley, right-handed pitcher Justin Dunn, uh, left-handed pitching prospect Brandon Williamson, and a player to be named later who we've heard generally. Uh, Kylie McDaniel reported that he sourced sources have told him it's someone in sort of the fifteen to twenty range on his Mariners prospect list, which would sort of be you know it could be a number of people and and you know might be a little bit of a bummer, but. Uh, certainly would not be completely uh, gutting, not not necessarily someone at the top of the list. Um, and in exchange, they are receiving all-star uh, outfielder Jesse Winker, as well as uh, former all-star uh, third baseman Eugenio Suarez. Um, so, in effect, solving both of the positional question marks that uh that the mariners were facing uh by locking up a power bat uh in the outfield in winker and locking up a uh 30 year old uh at, at if nothing else sort of stop gap option at third base uh, in terms of Suarez. we should we should point out that yes. winker is left-handed too so he fits that lefty Specifically, Depoto talked about not wanting to block Julio Rodriguez, who's a righty bat, so he fits that as well. Correct. Which and Seiya then, Suzuki did not. Seiya Suzuki right-handed yeah. bat. So. And, and unlike last year, where the Mariners were a hysterical number of left bats, um, at least on paper to start things off, the Mariners have uh, had a much more righty-dominant lineup really um jp crawford and uh jared kelnick at least at the start of the season start of the winter were the only maiden lefties in the lineup uh they've since added adam frazier and jesse winker um, and then you've got switch hitters for abraham toro and cal raleigh so uh definitely a lot of potential uh there and realistically this is currently a, a lineup with a lot of platoon potential which is kind of interesting not necessarily something i love but something that could work to their advantage i suppose um so i, I i'm curious let's let's start moment of the trade how are you guys feeling and then talk me through how you're feeling now um and and we can get into potentially how that may have changed and why that may have changed obviously i was thrilled like jesse winker is somebody i've heard of like he he was an all-star he's 
been one of the, I think, sort of few bright spots for the Reds. He's been, like, in all the highlights. You know, we follow Red Reporter, which is a really good SB Nation site, our, our sister site for the Reds. C. Uh, Trent Rosencrans. Rosencrans. He's not a Shakespeare character. Am I saying that right? Is I've that always it? pronounced it Crans, like Cranberry. Okay, as well, to, the soft S. <laughs> going, with, going with the <laughs> Shakespearean. I don't. I don't think I've heard it said uh, Anyway, beat writer for the Athletic, very cool dude. Um, I feel. I mean, I feel bad for people, but we'll get into that. Um, you know, I've, I Jesse Winker was like, I know that we're you know baseball, so what's a household name to me is not necessarily a household name to a lot of people, but I was like, what? I mean, just eyes, awugas. And then Eugenio Suarez, I have had a huge soft spot for. I constantly rostered him on my fantasy teams. Like, I just love him. Like, he's somebody who you feel really good about. Like, he is, he strikes out a little too much, but he can take a walk. Like, and he was just a really, really productive hitter. I was so happy when the Reds, famously tight-fisted Reds, opened up the pocketbooks and gave him, like, a six-year, $66 million contract back in 2018. Um, so my first, and then when I saw the return, so I saw it come in and I was like, (gasps) but then I started thinking about the return and I got really nervous about what it was going to be because those are two like names, uh, and two former slash current all-stars. And then it was Brandon Williamson, which I mean, hurt, but you know, you got a gift to get. And, um, that's not, that's dealing from a position of strength. And then somehow we got them to take Jake Fraley and Justin Dunn too. Like what? I'm uh, and I'm a little nervous. Somebody took Jake Fraley. I'm just <laughs> astonished. I mean, he's got he's controllable, and he's a pretty good defender. Even though I feel like his defense always kind of gives me gives me hives. Like you know, and that's a tiny little ballpark. He'll be fine out there. So I mean, it makes sense for them. Uh, and those guys can get all the playing time they want at a very, very cheap price, which is obviously what mattered to the Reds is just saving money. And then, I mean, ideally, Brandon Williamson will help helm a rebuild. But, you know, I feel like I've seen the re- the Reds go through this rebuilding stage like three or four times in the past half decade, maybe decade. And they're just they're never um, they never get there. And it's really frustrating because I would like them to be good, and I would like that yeah. division to be good, and it is frustrating that they just don't try. And then my feelings pivoted a little bit to feeling sorry for Reds fans, because it sucks. I mean, imagine if it, the Mariners were in that position, and it was, you know, they just dealt out off Sonny Gray, too. So imagine, like, Marco Gonzalez is gone, then Mitch Haniger is gone. God, we didn't even have a real all-star, did we? Was it Kikuchi? Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Kikuchi was last year. I do, I mean, I don't think we have to imagine that hard, though, right? This is post-2018, right? The Reds were 83 and 79 last year. The Mariners were even better than that the year, but you know, the, the year that they, ahead of them deciding to step back. You know, the year, in 2020, granted, 2020, so different rules, but the Reds made the playoffs. They, you know, got stomped out of the wild card round because it was the big thing. But it was like, you know, that was a kind of a cool thing. And who knows how it might have gone differently if it's a full normal season. But you know, they did. They did 
I guess both things are kind of true, right? They they finished in last place in the AL Central or the NL Central for four years in a row, and that was bookended on either side by fourth place finishes, right? And this is following the like early 2010 stretch of them uh, actually being pretty pretty solid when you know when Cueto um, was was really in his prime, um, but. You know, at the same time, like Mariners fans have been on the other side of this. I think I, I do. I, I very I, much you know, feel I, similarly. I, I think that's why I have so much sympathy for yeah. it because it triggers old feeling, old familiar feel. I'm like, I know what that feels like, and that feeling sucks. And yeah. I just think, like, I tweeted about it, and there were so many people who were like, "No." <laughs> just no uh mm. no empathy like we have the longest playoff drop blah 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 blah. and i would really encourage people to like you know maybe take a step back and engage a little bit of empathy and think about like what would it feel like you've been there before we just saw a a franchise legend get tweeted get tweeted away get traded away um this week like was that last week i get anyway i i mean I feel like of all people, Seattle fans should understand and should empathize. Like, I'm not saying I'm not happy that we are the ones who benefited from it because I am because somebody was going to because that's the way the system is set up. But that doesn't like take away from the fact that that's how the system is set up and it's at the expense of other people and their fandom and it's not fair and Reds fans deserve better. And I think like you can, because humans are wonderfully complex, you can hold both in your heart. Like you can be really excited for these players and what they bring and for them to have a new opportunity in Seattle and play for a team that wants to win. Good for them. Good for both of them. And you can also, you know, be f- feel empathy for Reds fans who are just watching, you know, starting way back in the off season, like when they didn't pick up, what was it, like a $10 million option on Wade Miley? Yeah. Uh, Tucker Barnhart, they gave him away. To, like, this has been signaled, and there's, the sense that I got from Reds fans was like, dull resignation, like, they knew it was coming in a way, but that doesn't make it any easier when it happens. So, anyway, Reds fans... You have my sympathies, uh, and we will promise to treat your guys really well. Because apparently, like, those two in particular were the heart of the team and people that that the fans really got behind. And, um, you know, I, that's a hard day, and I feel for them. But we, we promise to be very nice to them. I think it's 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 a impressive thing to see from this side because winker was the i mean a technically first round pick he was the 49th overall pick um and then suarez was suarez was kind of a like surprise he was he was a really pleasant uh surprise development for them you know sort of a they got him for alfredo simon or, or simon i'm not sure um you know in in 20 between 2014 and 2015 and he just kind of came in and was decent and then just kept being a very solid player like um so you know i i think he's i think these two players are really 
enticing fits for the Mariners. Uh, Winker, obviously, more so than Suarez, uh, even though Suarez has some some very interesting stuff in his past, and and his fit is something I want to talk to you both more about. But, mm-hmm. um, but both of the players are really interesting for how they fit with the Mariners' current roster, right? I mean, Winker is coming off of you know it depends on what uh, what you know system you go by, but in in any in any real measurement that you might take for him um you know a 3 to 4 win season being one of the best hitters in all of baseball which is something he's been for two straight years and for literally the entire time he's been in the major leagues which goes back now to 2017 he's been a very very good hitter um He's got a 132 career WRC plus. That's a 288, 385, 504. Like there are not that many players who hit with the type of power that he does and don't strike out and walk a lot. And part of that is, unfortunately, is primary he has primarily been used in a platoon or as a platoon bat. Um, but even that, I mean, he's a lefty hitter, so you're having him out there most of the time because he's facing right-handed hitters or right-handed pitchers and lefty hitters, you know, in this sort of profile tend to do quite well. You know, Kate, you mentioned the transition from great American ballpark, which is very hitter friendly. It's still that, that sort of short porch in right field is still quite friendly in uh it's not really a true short porch but seattle is is very comfortable to hit in still for lefty hitters uh it's, it tends to be righties who are more challenged by the deep gap in left center so um i'm i'm extremely enthusiastic to see uh jesse winker what i am curious about is how we think this all is going to fit with the rest of the roster and the rest of the Outfield and infield, essentially. It's a good question. I'm wondering where Winker actually plays. I'm hearing left field, but I'm also hearing some reports that say he's potentially a better outfielder than anybody we have currently on the roster, which would make you think, well, he'd play in right field, but then you know that's where Mitch Haniger plays, and theoretically that's where Julio Rodriguez would play, and that's technically Jared Kelnick's natural position. And so, you know, we <laughs> we joked about in the Slack we do have like five right fielders. Um, and no center fielders, and it is kind of a weird combo. Um, I like Winker uh, quite a bit, and I've had a couple hours now to sit with all of this, and I don't pretend to be a baseball analyst. Like, I'm really not. I'm a super fan and someone who's extremely engaged and engaged with other people who are extremely engaged, and so... um, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to be like Mikey, who has like a really deep understanding of a lot of things. But if you were to ask me like my bird's eye view, I've stared at the Fangraphs page of these two players for a couple of hours now kind of perspective. What I think is interesting is that both of them have had the last two years are really what I think is important in understanding the context and how they fit for the Mariners and why Jerry DePoto liked them. In Winker's case, he's been in the, the league for five seasons now and his last two where he's been, I want to say, 27 and 28 years old. Yeah, he's 28. So his 27 and 28-year-old seasons, um, he really put it together and had 1.4 and 3.2 war seasons. What, you know, in, in this 2020 season, obviously, was 
super short. So really, he had back-to-back three war seasons on a rate basis. Um, what's interesting for me is his BABIP is up 40 points, 2021 to 2020. And his WRC Plus is still 148. So there's no question the guy can't hit. Like, I'm not... I'm not saying, you know, I'm skeptical of his hit tool. I think that that question is settled. He's also been lifetime a 132 WRC plus hitter. So like at a baseline, he's as good as Ty France, right? Like he comfortably slots into the Mariners lineup as their best hitter probably today. Um, So that's, that's a really obvious good thing. I am much more curious about Suarez and potentially his fit with the team long-term. And I think that he was... I'm going to be honest, and I said this in the Slack earlier today too as well. I think that this was plan B. I think that they tried to sign Chris Bryant or Trevor Story or somebody else and give them a market rate deal. You know, not a not a market setting deal like I think is entirely possible that some of these guys get, but like a competitive, the exact rumor we heard was a competitive offer. I'm sure Jerry pitched a competitive offer to Chris Bryant and got turned down because uh, this... Here, here's the thing with Suarez. It's the exact same thing. It comes back to the BABIP to me. In 2019, when he had his 4.3 war, 50 home run monster season, he had a 312 BABIP. The years before that, he had 322, 309, 304, 341, and 316. That's all within about 20 points of each other, all above 300. I think it's fair to say that that's kind of like where he is as a hitter. But the last two years, his BABIPs have been 214 and 224, and he's batted about 200 over the last 200 games. That's not great. And I think if, if, if I'm the Mariners and I'm looking at Suarez and I'm trying to evaluate this, I'm, I'm choosing to believe that that 300 BABIP guy, um, closer to like a 3-4 win player, is who he really is. And he's not the basically replacement level guy who he's been the last two years. Uh, I'm going long-winded here, but there was also something somebody posted in the Slack that he had, I want to say, the highest WRC plus of any hitter in the major leagues in September, even though he was the bottom 10% for the previous, you know, like five months. Yeah, Um, he had like a wild run at the end of the season that was, you know, maybe... Maybe it was about a terminal lucidity, maybe a flash too, because he just fell off a cliff. Like terminal lucidity is a great term. I'm going to use that. Um, but you're right. Like, so you could look at this and say, Hey, he figured something out. He turned it around. Um, we believe more in the player he was in 2019. And then with Winkler Winker, I'm going to say Winkler a lot. Just, just Henry Winkler is in my head and I keep looking at Jesse Winker and seeing Winkler and it's going to be a problem. So when I mess that up on this podcast for the next year going forward, please just bear with me. Um, but I, that's the argument. The argument is that Winker is who he's been recently and Suarez is really who he's been two years ago. Um, if you wanted to spin this, I do think there is substantial risk involved in this, which is that Suarez is just not very good anymore. Um, and it, John talked me out of this, but like there's a real possibility that Suarez in particular, who is 30, 31 this next year is essentially the same player as Abe Toro. And that's kind of my initial reaction to it was like, okay, I guess this means Abe Toro isn't going to play anymore. And then I actually looked at the numbers and I was like, there's not actually that much daylight between them. There's obviously daylight between Abe Toro and a 4.3 war season. Um, But a 1.0 war season, 0.6 that he had last year and 150 at bats. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm a little softer on this than I think everybody else is. 
Uh, here's my feeling on Suarez is not that he is a wretched player or even that he's like, you know, that he's going to be a disaster. My concern is more the opportunity cost of saying, okay, we're going to play, we're going to roll with Eugenio Suarez at third base, right? That That's the bigger concern. And that's the same thing that was, I think to, you know, to your point, Essentially, that's the same concern of running with Abraham Toro at third base, which is this player's probably an average major league baseball player, and that's pretty good. But at the same time, that's not the, the that's not the issue. The issue is the Mariners have uh, about an average baseball player at almost every single position. Mm-hmm. And that means that they're probably going to be an 80-something win team. Or or they have reason to think they'll be an 80-something win team, which is sweet. But they don't necessarily have that star power. Good for uh, third? Third in the division, you think? Yeah, yeah, second or third. You know, somewhere. Because, I mean, you know. Do we, it's, think, it's, do we think the Angels? I don't the think Rangers, the Angels make any other. I think any either other. the Angels or the Rangers leapfrog us. I think the Rangers are about a seventy-win team still. I, I think mm. the I think the Rangers are well. Well, I don't think the Rangers are the last place team because I think Oakland moves the rest of their. People. Oakland's no, I, I think Oakland's I think the Rangers high. are still very bad. The Rangers have one pitcher. Um, that is true. The Rangers have John Gray as their ace, and I like John Gray, but John Gray <laughs> is not their ace, and their second best pitcher is. Probably Martin Perez, who was horrific. Oh. Um, and then they, yeah, no, it's like, and their bullpen is not not very good. Coming up. I mean, they have Spencer Howard, but he was really bad last year. So I maybe, but like, you know, they don't have many pitchers now, yeah. and most of them are coming off of serious injuries because that's what happened to all the Rangers pitchers: Josh Young, Hurt, Jack Leiter. Yeah. Still a ways away. Yeah, Dane Dunning. That's who I was thinking maybe of. he's good. Lighter and they, Dunning. Yeah. I think Dunning is good, but he certainly could be. But he was not. Gr- well, he was perfectly fine last. But they're year. not ready. Perfect. They're not ready to go yet. Yeah, that's my. Yeah, they're not twenty twenty two players. In a that's decade. my feeling. I think yeah. that I think there's absolutely I, I agree. reason. Yeah. I agree. So, it fr- it's freaky because you look at what the Rangers did and you're like, oh my god, they've leapfrogged the Mariners. But no, I don't. I don't think so. Like. Down the line, that could come true, but it's odd the way that they've gone. They've just gone so heavy on buying bats, and then I guess just expect all these guys to come up, and they'll just sort through their pitching pile, and you know, every game is going to be like a fifteen to fourteen win. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a strategy. It's a strategy. Could work. Could work. Um. Yeah, I, I just I. What's so, that old saying about piano lessons? Like, I just have to stay one <laughs> lesson ahead of the kids. Like, that's how, that's how the Rangers are building their. their team. I always thought it was math. Just, piano just, seems a little more esoteric just, in that regard. Just gotta, just gotta, just gotta score one more run. Uh huh. That's fair. Consistently. You know, fair point. Um, I think the question that a lot of people are going to ask that we should just answer right off the bat is, does this preclude the Mariners from doing anything else? And I think the short answer is it not necessarily, but they are sure talking like it does, um, which is sort of where 
there's a dichotomy of yeah. opinions today where we're all thrilled with the actual results of the trade. And we're all also a little perplexed because the team has probably their greatest resource is that they're not owing money to anybody and they have all this money to spend. And they seemingly have pigeonholed themselves into a position where they're no longer able to get those guys that they wanted. And I said, even, you know, like, I think this was plan B. I think that Chris Bryant turned down their money and Trevor Story didn't want to switch off shortstop or whatever. And that that. may be true. But, and, but, you know, like, honestly, in terms of just the dollar amounts, like, Kate, you have been on the Rodon train and Rodon designed for 40 million (laughs) over two years. Is that right? Like, realistically, especially after this trade, that seems like it would have been a good idea. Yeah. I mean, Rodon very well might have wanted to go to the Giants, like the Giants World Series team. So true. Um, well, World well, Series adjacent. They were but. the best team, best team in the NL by record, and he loved Ethan Katz. But you know, hey, guess who had Ethan Katz before the White Sox did? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I I do agree though that like if if this is genuine, that you know they're sort of okay. We're 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 now we're just working on the edges. That's pretty disappointing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that they're a bad team now, but they are leaving. You know, they're leaving a lot on the table. And I mean, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, I can't believe people are mad about the Mariners' offseason. They added an all-star bat. They added an all-star pit. Like all stars." Everybody has an all star. Yeah, they they lost. They lost an, an all star. Yeah, I was gonna say they lost an all star last year and the year before. They played. Yeah. They they declined to keep their all star from last year and they waived their all star the year from yeah. the previous year. Not all. Uh, not all and Kikuchi. Not all all stars created equally. Uh, first of all, I mean, right. yeah, Ravi Ray winning the Cy Young. I I love that pickup. Obviously, mm-hmm. they paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I feel like. Yeah, this this lineup does look better than it did last year. But also last year, we were literally giving Dylan Moore at bats in important games like it should look better. Mm -hmm. Does it look as good as I feel like we were promised or like the hype train led us to believe it was going to be like and maybe part of that is it's just it's spread out, you know, so the Frazier trade was a long time ago. The Ray signing was a long time ago. We're not kind of getting it all in one concentrated lump of like endorphins or whatever. But I do think when you tell me that we entered into this offseason and Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, all out there to be signed, Carlos Rodon, Noah Syndergaard, like this was a good free agent class and we emerged with one prize from it. And it's in pitching when our problems last year were offensive. So I don't think it's bad to be disappointed by that. I think it's fine to be disappointed by that. And good for you Mm -hmm. if you're totally chuffed with it. Some people are. But I think it's totally fair to be disappointed compared to looking at that class and dreaming about what it could have been because they had the money to make those things happen. And it was just money. The context of disappointment, too, is in the reality that the Mariners finished 19 games over 500 last year and were probably closer to like a plus five or plus 10 team on paper. And this 
does not feel like a move that even puts them on the footing of a plus 20 team. You know what I mean? Like, even if they're as good or better than last year's team out of spring training, I still don't know if I fundamentally believe this team as currently constructed is likely to outperform them on a pure results basis over the course of a season. And that's not that's not even like me being negative or a stretch anywhere. That's just like the raw reality of of what this is. You know what I mean? Like it took a lot of luck to be as good as they were last year. And we were really hoping they were going to supplement some of that luck with money for players who had good floors. Um, and they did bring us players who have good floors, but maybe not the upside to offset all of that. I don't know if I just explained that very well. They didn't bring stars. I wanted some stars. Is that like so? So we wanted the, sky, the night sky to be dark want, because wanted, all the stars were in the Mariners lineup. I want some stars. Like I just, I feel like there were they were out there and we didn't get any of them. And if Suarez has like Ray. a one point two WAR season, we're all going to be sitting here like this was I mean, a bad we'll be happy, idea. But I mean it's it with him it's like tough because there's so much that you're banking on with his resurgence and he's got a shredded shoulder and his like offensive downturn coincides with the shoulder surgery and shoulders are notoriously like offense sappers so that really worries me his change in approach doesn't worry me as much like part of what drove his offensive decline was that he started getting really pull happy, which I think happens when you're struggling and when you're compensating maybe for a lack of strength in the shoulder. So um, I don't know. I mean, that could go one way or the other. He could be healthy now and he could just have a huge upturn or this could just be like, yeah, we literally bought this for Jesse Winker, which looking at his now I understand why. Luis Torrens or LT. I was like, why is he getting so much FaceTime in this Jerry call? Because uh, somebody did ask about Luis Torrens in DePoto's presser, and he like kind of went on at length about him. And I was like, wow, I guess I had thought Torrens was like maybe possibly a trade candidate, mm-hmm. but he got a ton of shine in it. And now I see Torrens is the perfect person to pair with Jesse Winker because yeah. Torrens mashes lefties and winker mashes righties and they're just very natural not necessarily positional pairs but they're very natural like platoon pairs in that way the the way that the lineup is currently constructed and the way that the team is built it does make me pretty interested in the Mariners being a little more sort of aggressive, especially since they're likely going back to a five-pitcher rotation. Um, I am pretty intrigued by the idea that they're going to be leaning more into having more position players as part of their roster. Um, There's a maximum of 13 pitchers on the roster at the moment. Um, And... That may not be the case for the start of the year, just because they're going to have, I think, an expanded roster as they protect pitchers early on. But for the most of the year, it's likely going to be 13 position players, 13 pitchers at most. And the Mariners 
potentially could be more aggressive in platooning and in, in getting those sort of matchups uh, because of how good their players are in certain circumstances. So I could see similarly with Suarez, um, I could absolutely see a circumstance where, you know, you're getting a lot more of Suarez against uh lefty pitchers which he's good against both he's an above average hitter against both but he's a you know he's a very very good hitter against lefties and just sort of an average or a slightly above average hitter against righties and you can work him and toro again at third base pretty consistently you know and then you're you're basically always getting an above average bat so i'm i'm curious i guess Feels like a very Dodger-esque roster construction, don't you think? With like a lot of positional flexibility, a lot of guys you can kind of plug and play different places. It's very clever. I I don't know if it's too clever. (laughs) I'm gonna actually I'm glad you phrased it that way, John, because I think it is too clever. I really do. I think that when teams try and do this, like, you know, we're gonna have super subs and we're gonna do platoon splits as like our primary thing. It only works as long as everybody's healthy and as long as everyone plays good. And that's never the case ever. And, you know, all it takes is one piece of this to fall apart or Luis Torrens to hit 100 over a couple months. And like, I don't know, I my, I, I tend to believe in a very simple reality that teams with starters that are not doing platoon situations at all are because their players are good enough to be starting players and play all the time. And when you're doing platoons to the degree that the Mariners are kind of looking at, it's because those players aren't a sure thing and aren't really good enough to warrant the the full playing time. And that's bad. You know what I mean? Like you want to ideally what we even wanted the Mariners to do this whole offseason was consolidate some of the the wins on the roster into fewer players. So instead of having five guys who are worth like maybe a win, we had one guy who was worth three point five and this maybe does some of that, but also, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I I feel like it's 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 a commitment to one way or another, right? Like the Rangers are committing to that fewer players, more wins, and then they're gonna try to maximize that in their pitching staff, right? Like just try to make up wins there, and then be able to roll out Corey Seager every day, really push that thirteen pitcher maximum. Here, it does feel like the Mariners addressed the problem with offense by building this pretty flexible roster. Uh, Some guys with hopefully some kind of options where you can play the hot hand, play the guy who's like got it working that month. But it feels very risky. Like, and I guess like that's what you do while you're kind of like just vamping and waiting for. Kelnick to figure it out and be that player consistently, right? Or for Julio Rodriguez to come up and get his feet under him and be that player consistently. Like, oh, it's so hard because there's no one beyond that. Evan White, maybe. See if Evan White rounds back into like it's a lot of it's a lot of high variance guys mm-hmm. that you hope are gonna some of them are gonna just put it together, but it doesn't feel I think it's exciting in a way because there's so many possibilities. Like someone could pop. You don't know who's going to have like a big breakout. Um, But at the same time, it doesn't feel like a sure thing. And it feels very akin to what they've done in previous years 
which has sometimes worked out. I mean, I think it just all comes down to Dylan Moore. Like, sometimes you get 2019 Dylan Moore, and sometimes you get 2021 Dylan Moore. And one is great and fun, and the other is miserable to watch at the plate. And somehow that's the same player. <laughs> I love you, Dylan Moore, but man, he frustrated me in 2021. I felt bad. So it's scary because it's not like it doesn't. I don't trust this roster. That's what I feel. Yeah, I don't at all. I don't have a. I don't have trust. I don't trust Luis Torrens particularly. I definitely don't trust Cal Raleigh yet. I trust Winkler. See, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it all year. I trust Winker and I trust Ty Ty France and I trust no one else on this roster at all. Yeah, I mean, even JP, it's like he'll get his singles, but like he'll take his walks. But is he going to repeat his 2021 offensive performance? You know, I'm again, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, every year at Lookout Landing, you guys do the like most likely to be better or worse than last year kind of a thing. And if the you were over-unders. to, yeah, yeah, the over under, exactly. <clears throat> if you were to pick a guy in the offense to be under, honestly, like I think maybe JP's best offensive season was last year. I don't know if there's that much more in the tank than what he showed. I, if he did that exact same thing or even just a little bit, you know, like 90% it'd be great. of it, it'd be, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. But yeah. I don't know if any of us feel overwhelmingly confident in that. It's hard when you're dealing with young players because you don't actually have, oh, I trust Mitch Hanniger. I trust Mitch Hanniger. I mean, I know that that one, even that one feels like a little bit of a stretch because he had the injury. But I mean, I think what we saw, what we saw in his early pre-injured career and what we saw last year, that's Mitch Hanniger. Like, I really, I believe solidly in him as a, a floor three and a half win player. I'm I'm waiting for John to jump in and and agree or, or say <laughs> I, no, I it's too low or no. I I think I think he's still likely to be a three win player. I am curious because of his he's got the, he's got you know things going in two different directions. Of his age is going up, he's at the right. point where his speed and athleticism is likely to decline. But on the other hand, like his athleticism probably was not fully back since you know last year and and he's made it such a high emphasis point but at the same time like you can only do so much when you didn't play the sport for like two and a half years so um i do think there's a chance he is as good or better um this coming year even even frankly defensively um and defensively is honestly where I am a little bit concerned about the team. Because, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Ty France is a good first baseman. That I can, is I can is give fine. him that much. I'm Adam Frazier is a good second baseman. That is Eugenio Suarez is a passable third baseman. He, not great. He's okay, but he's he is fun. coming on. You know, like, He's going to play on. next to JP. So, like, he's JP is a great JP. shortstop. Yeah. He's, he's a great shortstop. Fine. And then Winker, Winker is terrible. Famously bad defensive. So uh, bad. So uh, he's going to be in left field. Is that right? Oh, well, definitely left field. Uh, but I hope he's actually at TH. Right. Well, that's the thing is he. I mean, he had a, his his breakout season when he was able to be healthy and be really yeah. extraordinary was 2020 initially, where he was the DH. 
not full time, but like pretty much full time. Like he, I think only played. Let me let me make sure. Yeah, he played basically like fifty something games in. Uh, he he played almost the entire season in twenty twenty, and he only played. Uh, he played less than a hundred innings in the outfield. Like he he basically popped He's out so there slow. on occasion. Yeah, I mean, he just—it's he, not his skill set, and not his skill set. That's okay, no. but because that's fine, we got room. We got room. We can like we can rotate him through. He doesn't have to play that much, right? Um, um, but then the pressure's on Kelnick in center field, and I'm not sure about that, right? And so what we're looking at is the team says Kyle Lewis is not going to be. He, while he, what basically what the, they had a specific way they phrased it where it's like. He's physically okay, and they're having him participate in things, but they're not expecting him to be ready for opening day because I think they want him to get some minor league games to get his to like make sure that he's all good before they actually put him in. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so then you're not putting him in center field. That means either you're putting Kelnick in center field again, which was not particularly good. Maybe that improves with experience, but it's not awesome. Or you're putting Julio in center field, which is just kind of a, a listen, that'd be fun. I wouldn't be <laughs> mad, but is, I mean, you're already going to ask the moon of Julio, I guess. Why not ask, you know, for a few stars at the right. at that point, too? So um, I don't like that for the injury risk. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's, I, to me, there's not. I I don't think there's a larger injury risk in center field versus left or right. And honestly, I mean, right field, you're you're much more frequently encountering like the sidewalls. In center field, you have to run more, but like that's mostly it. Like Kyle Lewis has not done anything that is wildly dangerous in center field that he wouldn't do anywhere else. He just rammed his knee into a wall and he jumped. Yeah, that injury he got like. I- I've watched footage so many times, and the truth is, he just landed on it weird, and he's a lanky guy. Yeah. And like, it just the thing with that too is that he could do that again at any minute, and I hate that because right. it's right. just the way he's built. He landed on that knee the wrong way, and it was, yeah. Yeah. I do have a question though for you two because we haven't talked about Tramel basically at all, not just the off season no. that we've had, but especially now that he seems to be even further down the roster behind Julio, behind whoever. And they did just trade Jake Fraley. So, like, you know, that does offer some daylight for him to be a, a replacement somewhere down the line. But does he have any real role in this team's future? Or are we just kind of coasting until we can trade him at this point? Because there genuinely seems to be no interest in him from the team. I don't think it's a lack of interest, but I do think it's. I mean, he just, he, he was he's got to perform unfortunately that that's sort of where he is like he's still quite young he's younger than most of i think he was i think this will be his age 24 season if i'm not mistaken um you know so he's he's not like particularly far off um of of any major prospect hype and he was an okay hitter in his first shot at triple a last year you know, like that's that's fine, and he was not very good in, in the majors. So, I don't think there's a problem in sending him back to 
uh, Tacoma and hoping that he will have improved offensively and either, you know, if he does improve offensively, he's making more contact while still hitting the ball with impact, you know, similar to what you're hoping for with Evan White, right? Of like, okay, you're doing, you've done at different points in time, good hitter things. Now do them all at the same time. Like, <laughs> um, you know, then then there'll be a spot for him. But I, I, you know, I think right now he's sort of the the depth piece, and that's uh, that's okay. There are there are a lot of teams with a lot less interesting fifth outfielders or whatever you might call Tramel at this point. I just want him to be so good, so bad. <laughs> Please have a big spring. Um. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm really. I'm really fascinated. Okay, so here's here's something that I want to talk about. We got a few questions about this. All right. But, um, one of the things that Jerry Depoto mentioned was saying they're more or less feel like they're done adding um, on the offense. Now I've seen um, some good notes. I, I believe it was Luke Arkins. Uh, who who noted that the, almost this exact terminology was used by Depoto in July of 2017 before they made the um, Mike Leake and Yonder Alonso trades, which were not earth shattering by any means, but were definitely you know notable additions to the club. Um, so it's not as though this is set in stone. But one of the things he did mention was shifting a focus to potentially adding another impact starting pitcher. Um, or at least looking into that more. Are there any particular fits in that regard that uh, stand out to either of you uh, in terms of a player that would be that would be a good uh, a target for Seattle to add to their rotation, uh, which currently features Robbie Ray, Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flex, and Logan Gilbert, and then. Question marks. Question marks. You know, Justice Sheffield, they say they're stretching him out as a starter. Uh, George but Kirby's shaped George, space. Matt Brash is on the 40 man, but they, you know, do they, I don't know, go to him right away. Um, yeah. You know, Nick Margavichis, does he have an arm? Just had thoracic outlets in, you know, surgery. So questionable. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing available on the free agency market I'm particularly interested in. Like, Radon went off, and that was kind of it. It was not a good class of pitchers. How about in trades? I don't want to give up anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm serious, though. Like, are you going to deal Levi Stout, I guess? Like, you're not dealing Kirby. You can't deal... Emerson Hancock, because that would be stupid, selling super low. Uh, you're obviously not dealing probably the position players who are up there in the top 10. So what are you looking at? You're looking at Levi Stout, yeah? Right. Uh, so, all right. I mean, I like Levi Stout, and I think he'll be a good major leaguer. I think he might be a reliever, but um, what, do you, what are you going to get for him? Like, it would have to be <sighs> Levi Stout plus... You're going to carve more out of that 15 to 20, maybe the 10 to 20. So you're going to further take a bite out of the system for yeah. this team that you haven't, like, really done a huge amount of committing to. 
monetarily, I just, I right. don't, I wouldn't be thrilled. I would not be thrilled with a trade. Watch, they'll make a trade tomorrow and I'll have to like <laughs> find a way to spin it. But I don't, I mean, and I mean, you're not going to get any of the Oakland guys because they're charging an AOS tax. And the ones that are left are going to be pricey because it's Manea, right? And Montas. Yeah. There's nothing else in that rotation that we would want. Probably not. Um, I don't think so. The Reds still have folks, but they sent um, Lusardo away, who is one thing I would want. Yeah, the Reds, the Reds, I mean, if we're picking over the bones of these teams, which are not fulfilling their obligation to fans, then yes. I mean, the Reds, I you have Luis Castillo, like that involves mm-hmm. a significant prospect haul. That I don't want to do that. You could do Tyler Maley. Tyler Maley, yeah, he's kind um, of is a little bit more in the middle there. Uh, like he's he's, you know, he had a really good year last year, but he's, uh, you know, two years left contract control, and you know doesn't have the same track record as Castillo. I just feel like it's rough. It's a rough fit because the Mariners are a top heavy uh, system, mm-hmm. and they've made it pretty clear that they're not interested in dealing any of that stuff that's at the top. Yeah. So that kind of shoehorns you into a position. They dealt Williamson, who was their one like semi expendable piece. So I just, it's not, I don't think there's anything else that gets anything done that we'd really be particularly interested in. Not major leaguers in any case. I think, like, realistically, you could look at trading Stout for a minor leaguer closer to the majors, you know, like maybe somebody who's had a cup of coffee and is in AAA or something. But I would genuinely be stunned if a team traded an established major league player for anyone we just mentioned. I think that, you know, like Kate said, Williamson was like the one card we had to play in terms of prospect trading and we just played it. And so if you, if you don't want it to really hurt, you have to stop there and you can make it hurt. You can trade Noel V for, no. Somebody who's a big deal. You can, you know, I I don't know. You have again, it's gonna hurt. If you're gonna if you're gonna make a real impact addition by a trade, you need to be willing to lose one of those guys that they don't seem like they want to lose. And I don't I don't blame them. I think I liked this idea better if we hold on to all these young pitchers and give them a shot. I liked that idea better when I felt like we were getting a little more of an offensive floor underneath us. And maybe that sounds hypocritical to say when we literally just got, you know, players who theoretically should make our offense better. But I I just don't feel like we've moved far enough forward where I feel like it's time to push all the chips in. We're still like sort of in the wilderness. Yeah. I don't know. My, I feel like we should be more happy about this. I really well, do. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. You Evan, you're you're correct. Like I I'm I'm in it, it is a it is a mixed moment right now. Um the the challenge I guess is the Mariners had a lot of upside and a lot of downside before, you know, coming into this offseason and my hope had been that they would find some certainty, some some upside certainty in term in terms of Chris Bryant or uh, uh, Trevor Story or you know I mean Correa, oh. and 
I think it's that we are going back to Houston, right? Like definitely going back. Well, to that's, Houston. I mean, realist, that's the other concern here is, Ugh. you know, the Mariners are facing down a circumstance of the, it's not, you know, they've watched the twins say, well, we're not actually going to hit tank. We're going to start competing again. And we've seen, um, you know, a, a number of clubs throughout the league, really other than the Reds and the A's post-lockout, because, you know, a few teams like the Pirates were already in the dumps. But, like, a number of teams are coming out of it. Like, there's not going to be those same gimme wins uh, that there had been for a while. Like, the Royals and the Tigers are not going to be amazing, but they're going to be solid again they were they were you know respectable respectably bad last year um i think you know you're looking at most of the division being competitive you're looking at everyone but the orioles and the and the a's honestly in in the al being at least somewhat competitive and the mariners can't the mariners are going to come in it looks like right now depending on a lot more best case a lot more best case scenarios than I would like uh, in in a season that's supposed to open their contending window. Right. Which is the thing when you've built it around young players who you you know, we're going to trust the youth. Yeah. We're going to trust yeah. Kelnick and Julio and Logan mm-hmm. Gilbert and Kirby and Matt Brash and we're just going to let those guys carry the mantle for us and right. and accessorize with these pieces, which is very much how it feels the approach was to this offseason was like, we got a nice piece in Robbie Ray because we didn't have anything like that. You know, the hope is that Logan Gilbert grows into that 1A. The hope is that George Kirby grows into that, but there's no guarantees. So um, they shored up that bit of uncertainty, but it's Still feels, yeah, like if you wanted certainty out of this offseason, that's not what you got. You know, and I, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself because we're still all kind of working through this as we're discussing it. I think what I don't like about this is that the Mariners had clear holes and clear upside ways to fill those holes prior to this. The Mariners no longer have holes. They have essentially filled out right. their roster. Right. And if they are going to improve, it's going to require some kind of a reshuffling where somebody we don't want to lose is out the door. You know, like I we can't pick a spot on this roster anymore and be like, okay, we're just gonna add somebody there. It has to be that players are switching and we're or getting traded because we have, you know, three guys who are sort of maybe a third baseman and two guys who are sort of maybe a second baseman, but like I don't I no longer can look at this and I made the the analogy earlier today that Chris Bryant was a square peg for a square hole situation. The Mariners have a need a third baseman. He is a high upside third baseman. They can't plug any holes like that anymore. They have to get creative with it. And I don't know if I trust them to be able to do that given the way they've tinkered so far. And they've also done this in a way that has put some of the young players who I was kind of interested to see a little bit out to pasture. This cuts way into, you know, Abe Toro's playing time. And I'm not, I do think that Suarez is better and is a, is a safer pick, but I'm not entirely convinced he's actually a better player going forward. You know what I mean? Like 
Abe Toro has really interesting AAA numbers from recent seasons. It's like, I mean, Suarez has the shredded shoulder. It always comes down to that yeah. for me. Like yeah. he's 31. He has six years of time on him. Like, I think he might be a good transition piece while Abe Toro is getting his feet under him. And I guess I'm just surprised that like they decided Toro was the future at third base. Cause that feels like what it was like. They made an effort. <laughs> they tried Gold Star to Chris Bryant, but I wonder how competitive that offer really was. You know, they weren't going to overpay for it, which is dumb because there's no such thing as overpaying. There's just paying. Like, you pay what the market decides it costs. So that's a frustrating thing to me when people are like, oh, but it would have been such a bad contract. Like, well. I mean, what what do you want? Like, what do you want out of him? Chris Bryant would have given you two to three years of really steady, above-average production. And now we are sort of in this murky place and hoping that these young guys figure it out. And I just think, like, with the amount of payroll flexibility that they had, payroll flexibility, there could have been more certainty. Yeah, they really could have. But their offense is going to be ominous. Oh my god, what a weird way to describe that. <laughs> this is a weird way to describe it. it, is a, it is Take a... one English class, I'm begging you. One upper level English class, baseball executives slash media people. Like, just not that hard. Ominous. <laughs> Let me um, teach you the difference between connotation and denotation. I'm begging you. <laughs> Do not just hit thesaurus. Um, so let's uh, let's go to a few questions here because I think yes, we got some please. we got some good ones um, before we wrap. Um, do we think this is from Ryan Phelan uh, at underscore Ryan Phelan underscore? Do we think there's any chance Depoto's comments today are posturing for negotiating tactics? If not, where do all this? Where does all this supposed financial flexibility keep running <laughs> off to? Um, it was a fabulous <laughs> question, especially fabulously worded. Uh, yeah, um, much better than ominous. I love the idea yeah. of the financial flexibility like a wayward rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's a question that we discussed uh, a bit already, um, just amongst ourselves. But um, I am curious if you if you think that the oh we're done we we've got a third baseman we've you know us we don't we don't need Matt Chapman no we don't need Chris Bryant no what us no don't be ridiculous you know if that's if that's a bit of posturing or if it is genuine or or sort of somewhere in between of like well here's a solution but we're not locked in now right it does that is it a leverage play against the A's or you know Chris Bryant or Trevor Story whoever it may be even I mean even Suzuki um where it's you know look we would like you but we don't need you now it's late at the street fair the merchants are starting <laughs> to fold up their shops 
there's still things on the shopping list and people are, this is a bad analogy because I got the sellers slash buyers thing wrong, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's like I that like feeling it. of, oh, we're, we're close, we're closing down, we're closing down the free agency market. We're closing down the, the acquisitions side and we're pivoting towards, you know, focusing on our internal baseball operations and focusing on the team we have. And that's very much, I think that it's a leverage play with like, the amount of people who are still out there on the free agent market, I think it's a specific leverage play against Scott Boris, who is probably single-handedly holding a bunch of this stuff up as he's, you know, doing his job as an agent and trying to get his clients the most money. So I wonder how many other teams will start to see giving this, like, giving this line. Because if there are others who echo it, then I feel like that's a... Collusion is a little collusion <laughs> in the air. Uh, but yeah, I, I that was how I interpreted it. But I do actually think the Mariners are done. I, there was a hope, a hopeful part of me that's holding out for the idea of Trevor Story, but or Chris Bryant, but Paul Seawald saying, like, no, there's probably not a chance <laughs> kind of killed that. And then Trevor Story, it does sound like he didn't want to switch off of shortstop. So Kind of killed that. So, no, I think that Jerry means it. But I also think he knows the import of what saying that does to pressure the market. And that could be a way to help out his fellow owners, too. Well, not his fellow owners, but his fellow GMs, I guess I should say. Get that market moving. It could be. It could be. Um, I am inclined to think that there's some brinksmanship here. If only because they came in so hot saying we need to get this and in some sense you know they kind of backed themselves into a corner by saying look we need to have this and they could have admittedly just pretty deceitfully pretty transparent pretty transparently been you know full of it by saying oh we're good abraham toro third baseman uh, you know, Jared Kelnick, Kyle Lewis, Mitch Handiger, they're all going to be good uh, in, in you know, the outfield. But um, but now I, I am at least a little bit curious. Um, there is no, there's no reason to trust Jerry DePoto on good things or bad things at, in terms of what he says publicly being gospel. And I don't yeah. mean that that critically <laughs> it's it's his job is to be transparent in or his job is to make you feel like he is transparent yeah i think and, jerry too he tells the truth as it is as things stand but not as he may know yeah. things will be in the future and that's yeah. a pretty common sports gm thing and just like politician thing in general is you know, this is what I know right now. And people are really asking, well, what's good? What's it going to be tomorrow? What's going to be in the future? And he's saying, this is what it is now. And it, it yeah, like, you know, and mm -hmm. I think what he's saying now is, you know, hey, we did this trade. Uh, our team looks done. Cool. And if somebody makes a competitive offer for, you know, some kind of a, a multiplayer swap that makes sense and makes the team's roster better. I think they would absolutely entertain it, but I do think he is telling the truth when they say that they got stonewalled. I think the exact term he used was we got dead ended or, you know, dead we get dead end. ends yeah, with the free agents. End. I believe somebody said no to their money. I actually do. Mm -hmm. um, 
it would shock me if they did not offer something to Chris Bryant and he turned him down. And yeah, but we don't know what it was. That they we don't offered. know what it was. We don't we don't know it was a bad offer. I should say that, too. You know, my assumption is, like I said, I don't think they plan to set the market for him. I don't think that that's how Jerry and this ownership group and this like managerial front office of the Mariners works. I don't think they're interested in setting the market on contracts. I think even if you look at like what Robbie Ray got, he got a like a lot of money, but that's a good deal, but like not a mind blowing, you know, earth shattering. Like Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. yeah. So Scherzer, whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't um, know. Jerry makes me think of this line by Emily Dickinson. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Every time Jerry is talking, I try to remember that. Mm-hmm. He's telling the truth, but he is telling it slant. <laughs> slant truth. Um, well, let's 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 close out here. Um, with a with a lighter spirited question, um, would you rather dye your hair like Eugenio Suarez <laughs> or record a full uh, version of you singing um, Blink One Eighty Two song uh, like Jesse Winker? Uh, because we have both of those options available. And I, while I do not, pers- it's not personally to my taste, I do really love that Eugenio has... Um, Rolla DeVille, half white, half black. Absolutely. Like, looks like a black and white cookie. Yep, yep. Um, which which one would you go for? I guess. Which, which I mean, I do karaoke, so I basically you do karaoke. Do the, I, I think basically this. do the Blink One Eighty Two one already. Like, do you do though? Do you do Blink One Eighty Two specifically as karaoke? Because that is a particular sound. I what? Well, just like it's you know some songs, I would feel very comfortable singing karaoke. Some songs I would not attempt to touch. You know. What well, Blink One Eighty Two song would you sing, Kate? That's the real question. Oh man, the all the small things always gets always gets people very you know work hmm. sucks. I know everyone always hollers that. Yeah, you, you so get the people on like, your side. Yeah, you get the people on your side. Right now, we're doing a contest. It's our March Madness where Ooh. we write down a bunch of songs and put them in a jar, and you have to sing whatever comes out of the jar. Which I... Yeah, it I mean you get point you get point you get up the most points if you just pull it out of the jar and walk up on stage. You get a little less points if you pull it and sit with it for a while. You get a little less points if you take it home. I should be saying fewer points if you take it home and practice with it. Um <laughs> you get points for like pitching in on a duet. I mean there's a whole very complicated honed over many years of practice this is our first year doing it since uh pandemic so it's it's been exciting to have it back i'm about to go jam a bunch of blink 182 songs in there <laughs> i've definitely never done miss you i think that was the one in the video don't waste your time on me your body the voice inside my head, head. Yep, yep. yeah uh so I'll, I'll go put that in the jar and, and report back 
You're absolutely correct. It is. I'm sorry. I was just checking on the song. It was indeed Miss You. I mean, obviously. Uh, did you not watch it? Of course. I, I was rewatching it. It's pretty good. Evan, what about you? You singing? You you styling? I feel like if I did this song and like posted on Twitter or something, people would just gloss over it and not pay attention. Mm. And so it couldn't be blackmailed against me. Because I think if I got the Suarez hair dye, oh, people would think pictures. I was having a, mid, a midlife crisis, like legitimately. Every time you text. said something stupid in the Slack, we'd just all ping, <laughs> we'd all spam you with that picture. I don't think I could do the haircut. Um, so I would probably just sing the song. I could definitely do all the small things or miss you for sure. So first date for that one gets mm-hmm. gets that one's also very I mean, Blink mm-hmm. is hugely popular. If you can't sing but you want a karaoke crowd on your side. Pick a Blink One Eighty Two song because people yeah. will just love it. Well, and plus you can you don't even need to like try and sing in a normal voice because they don't have normal voice. No, it's like you you just yeah. like you plug just your nose and yeah, then it's like, make it real don't nice waste your time. The <laughs> sort of Kermit. Kermit. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Uh, but, wow. Yeah, I gotta I gotta clear my sinuses out before I come to karaoke. I Kermit guess. Doing <laughs> Always your time on me are already a voice inside my head. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, I would do the hair thing. Because <laughs> I like karaoke. I don't want a video of me singing. Thanks. Um, uh, so next time we pod, the Mariners will be playing, right? They start actual spring training yeah, games. That's, next that's time we talk to you, it'll right. be with actual games. You're right. Saturday, March 19th, against the Dodgers, I think. 1.10 p.m. Pacific time. 1.10. Uh, oh, well, sorry. Fr- Friday, <laughs> Friday is the first game, but I believe that one's uh, radio only. And then Saturday is... Uh, the first televised game so mm-hmm. yeah no very very exciting um i will plug as uh my roommate's dog just loses his mind in the background um our series 40 previews 40 series. yeah 40 and 40 well Not 40 and 25 good. nay 40, 40 and 40, and 25 because uh, they only gave us 25 um yeah. this will probably be up uh tuesday or wednesday um so isabel kicked us off with jp crawford uh which was a was a a real delight we'll have another one on um tuesday we'll have another one every day or at least one every day until uh until the season starts 